The following message was recorded at Shades Valley Community Church in Homewood, Alabama. For more information and resources from Shades Valley, please visit us at shadesvalley.org. Shades Valley, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. indeed, in this hour, Christ conquers. In this hour, Christ conquers. If you haven't been with us throughout our Lenten season, we basically journeyed through the Gospel of John chapters 15 and 16. And we did so in a series called In This Hour. And for us, that title has a twofold meaning. First, it refers to Christ's hour. All throughout the Gospel of John, which we've been journeying through it for a hot minute now, and all throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus has referred to an hour that's coming, his hour, the hour of his death. And in chapters 15 and 16, that hour has arrived. He is staring down the cross knowing that he is headed through it to resurrection on the other side. In this hour, Christ's hour. Second, we've used that title in this hour to refer to the disciples' hour. These, these disciples of Christ, they're, they're about to find themselves living in a very particular hour. They're about to find themselves living in a situation where Jesus is no longer physically present with them, but they are still to be living as his disciples, as his people. What's that supposed to look like? And not just for them, but for us, because we live in this same hour, do we not? Christ is not physically present with us. We live on the other side of his death and resurrection. We live in that same hour when we're still to be his people, his disciples. What does that look like? And that is exactly what Jesus has been unpacking for us in John 15 and 16. And everything that he has said, we obviously don't have time to go back over all of it this morning, but everything that he has said comes to this climactic crescendo in the final verse of chapter 16. And that's the only verse we're going to look at this morning. John 16 and verse 33. This is the final thing that Jesus says directly to his disciples in the gospel of John. After this, he's going to pray and then he's headed towards the cross. These are his final words for them, for us. It's the climactic crescendo of everything that he said. Read it with me. John 16, verse 33. Jesus says, I have said these things to you. All of 15, all of 16, how you're to live in this hour. I have said these things to you in order that, here's the sum up of what you're supposed to get, that in me you may have peace. In the world, this is a parallel sentence to the one I just read. In me versus in the world. In me you may have, in the world you will have. In me you may have peace, in the world you will have tribulation. I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace, in the world you will have tribulation. But, it's a glorious gospel conjunction. There's glory in the grammar, people. But, take heart. I have overcome the world. That kid gets it. Take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus says everything that I have said to you about how you're to live in this hour, it's all been aimed at this. That in me you have peace. That sums it all up. Right now, 2018, Christian, in him, 
have peace. Rest in Him. Trust in Him. Have faith in Him. And the, 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 I imagine the question of the disciples and our question when confronted with that reality. Imagine that the question becomes very quickly, how is it possible for us to live that way in this hour, Jesus? Like you've told us, you're not going to be here. You've told us that things are not going to be great. I mean, he's repeated that reality all throughout chapters 15 and 16. He's told us that as followers of him, we are going to be hated by the world. We will be persecuted. We will suffer. We will be plagued with all sorts of trouble. He said that even now in verse 33, did he not? In the world, you will, not might, not maybe, you will have tribulation. Flipsis is the Greek word, which is just fun to say. Flipsis, it literally means trouble, both outward and inward. Outward trouble, trouble that comes against you. Oppression, persecution, you're going to have that. Inward trouble that stirs up inside of distress, affliction, you're going to have that. So my question becomes, how in the world are we supposed to have peace in an hour that's filled with tribulation? Jesus is glad he asked, because that's exactly how verse 33 ends. He says, in the world you will have tribulation, but here's what's going to give you peace, rest in me, faith in me, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Overcome. Nikao. Uh, you might recognize that Greek word if I put it in its noun form for you. Nike. It means victory. It was the name of the Greek goddess of victory. It's why a shoe company chose it as its name. They want you to believe that if you wear their shoes, you'll have victory. From my time in sports, I can attest to the fact that's not true. But the verb, it means to have victory, to conquer, to overcome. Christ is staring down his hour, the hour of the cross. He is looking death in its face, and he declares in this hour, I conquer. How can you have peace? How can you take heart, live as a conqueror in the midst of a tribulation-filled hour? Jesus says, because of what I'm doing in my hour. You, you can live as a conqueror in your hour because in my hour I am conquering. I want us to see how that works this morning. Like, like, how does Christ's conquering make me a conqueror? How, how does His overcoming make me someone who overcomes? How, how does His victory make me a victor? I have to see how that works. Because if I'm honest, in this hour in 2018, that is not how I feel. If I'm honest, in this hour, I don't feel like a conqueror. I feel conquered. 
I don't feel like an overcomer. I feel overcome. And I don't feel like a victor. I feel defeated. I feel the truth of the words. In the world, you will have tribulations. Perhaps you're with me on that. Perhaps you feel that too. So not just me, but we. We need to see. We must see how Christ's conquering can make us take heart. How it can give us peace. How it makes us conquerors, overcomers, victors now in this hour. Let's see it together. Look at verse 33 again. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In me, in me, that's the key. You're not connected to Christ. You don't get any of this. He died for this. Pay the price for our sin and the death that it deserved, that we might be connected to him, have him forever. In me, this is the only way you're going to have peace in the midst of an hour filled with tribulation. I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have, I have overcome the world. That sounds past tense. I have overcome. That sounds as if Christ is talking about something he's already done. He's already conquered. But we know, based upon where he is right now in the story of John, we know that he's going to conquer through the cross. He's going to conquer through his death and resurrection. And that's all in the future. So what's going on? Think of it this way. Uh, when I arm wrestle my children, any of them, pick, I have conquered before the contest begins. Why? Because we are dealing with superior power. Yeah, it says something that this is my bragging point, right? <laughs> Likewise, Christ has conquered before he ever even goes to the cross because with him, we're not just dealing with superior power. We're dealing with sovereign power. His, his conquering is so Certain, because he rules. He's in control overall. His conquering is so certain that he can speak of it as if it's already accomplished. He's the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Spoiler alert, also the lamb risen from the foundation of the world. He can speak of it as if it is already, already accomplished. Even though it has not yet taken place already not yet and in speaking this way Christ is revealing to his disciples to us he's revealing the very framework in which we live our lives he's revealing to us the framework of our hour the framework of already not yet. 
That is the hour in which we live. The hour for which Christ has been preparing us in John 15 and 16. The hour of already, not yet. Jesus is telling his disciples where they will find themselves post-cross and resurrection. And they will find themselves in an hour where he has already gone to the cross. He has already gone to the tomb. He has already laid death itself to rest. He has already risen as the victorious king, the overcoming victor. Already. But, not yet will his resurrection have had its final effect. Not yet will sin and death be banished. Not yet will tribulation, trouble, flipsis be finally put to rest. Already he has conquered them. But not yet have the effects of his conquering been completed. Easter has not yet had its final effect. We live in the hour of the already not yet. The Bible talks about this, Scripture talks about this in a whole host of ways to try and help us get our mind around it. One of my favorite places is in 1 Corinthians 15. There the Apostle Paul talks about the resurrection of Christ and he calls it the first fruits. The first fruits are literally the first fruits to show up, like in a harvesting farmer agricultural society situation. First fruits, those are the first fruits. They're the first crops to ripen, and that usually happens a little bit earlier than the actual whole harvest coming in. And so the first fruits serve as a sign that the harvest time is almost here. The first fruits are like a promise that the rest of the harvest is coming. And Paul, in 1 Corinthians 15, looks at the resurrection of Christ and calls it the first fruits. A sign of what's to come. The reversal of sin and all its effects, including death. The reversal of death. We are promised all throughout Scripture from the very mouth of God and from the lips of Christ and in the power of the Spirit, the triune God has promised us that an age is coming in which Christ will return to reign and bring redemption to completion. The full reversal of sin and death. And through the resurrection of Christ, that age of redemption is already breaking into the present. It's not yet complete, but we're getting a foretaste. It's already coming. And and this is the hour in which we live, the hour of the already, not yet. The hour between the first fruits and the full harvest. The hour in which the kingdom of Christ is breaking into the present age. How? How is the kingdom breaking in? I mean, obviously the resurrection, but that's got to have its effect in us. How's it breaking into the present? So my wife is pregnant right now with our fifth child because we're crazy. Not Wonsky crazy, but confirmed stall cup crazy apparently. And here's the deal. That baby 
the boy, he is not yet here. But he is breaking into my house already. The baby purchases have begun. And evidences of his coming kingdom and reign are spreading. Already. Even though he is not yet here. And already evidences of Christ's conquering kingdom and reign are breaking into the present age because of his resurrection. How, how is that happening? Jesus answers it for us right here, John 16, 33. He says, how is it breaking into the present age? Through you. Through you, church. Through you, Shades Valley. Through you, Christian. Evidences of the coming kingdom are breaking into the present age through you. That's what Jesus is saying in John 16, 33, when he says, take heart, I have overcome the world. We, we talked about how that sounds like it's past tense, but if you dig under the English into the Greek, it's actually in what's called the perfect tense. I told you, there's glory in the grammar, victory in the vocab, salvation in the syntax, people. It's there. If you dig under, it's, it's in the perfect tense. And the best brief definition I can give you for the perfect tense is past action with present ramifications. Past action with present ramifications. It's, it's something that has happened in the past that changes and shapes everything in the present. It has continuing effects. It shapes the present reality. So, so an example might be if I tell you that in 2004, I got married. Past action, present ramifications, shapes my present reality. I got married, and therefore today I am married, and everything about that shapes my life. When Christ says, I have overcome, he is saying that I have conquered through the cross, through my resurrection, through Easter, I have past action secured victory. Therefore, right now, in this hour, that shapes your present. That shapes the reality of the present of all who are connected to me. I have been victorious, and so that allows you to live now victoriously. Yes, you will have tribulation, but you know I've already won the victory. Even though Easter has not yet had its final effect, you can take heart amidst your tribulation. You can have peace in me, trust in me, rest in me amidst tribulation because you know I've already won. I've already conquered it all. And when you have peace, trust, rest, when you take heart in the midst of tribulation, you become an evidence of the coming kingdom. Breaking in to the present age. You become an evidence of that kingdom that is already on its way, even though it is not yet fully here. Shades in this hour, 2018, amidst all the crazy chaos, tribulation, trouble that you face from outward or inward, we live as a people filled with peace. Showing the world why it is that we can take heart because we serve a king who's already conquered and we are confident in his coming kingdom. 
This is how Christ's conquering makes us a conqueror in this hour. I uh, love showing movies to my kids that I enjoy, enjoyed as a kid. Last week we were on vacation and I showed them what any self-respecting 80s child would call a classic, the never-ending story. And if you haven't seen that, oh yeah, yeah, lots of classic fans of never-ending story out there. Fantasia forever. Um, the basic plot is about a boy named Bastian who's reading a book. The book is about a world known as Fantasia. You can think of it like Narnia or something like that. Sebastian's reading this book about Fantasia, and the more he reads, the more the lines between fantasy and reality begin to get blurred. And in the story, this world of Fantasia, it's, it's being destroyed, literally ripped apart into nothingness. And it becomes obvious the deeper you get that Bastion is the only one who can save it. And I love, I love watching my kids watch the movie. Because as, as Fantasia is destroyed, as we had the Artex moment, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. As Fantasia is, I'm about to cry thinking about it right now. Um, as, as Fantasia is destroyed and the tensions mount and it, it looks like all hope is lost, this movie gets super intense and really emotional for a little kid. I mean, y'all know Bastion, call my name. Like, y'all know what I'm talking about. Anyway, the point is that as I watched my kids grow so nervous and so tense, I was totally calm and totally at peace. Why? Because I have grown out of my childhood into this unemotional, calloused adult shell of a person? No. It's because I knew what was coming. I knew the end. I knew that not only would Bastion save Fantasia, like it's already done for me, even though it has not yet happened. I knew that not only would he save Fantasia, but he would be given the ability to reverse all the destruction and all the death it had experienced. Every character that died along the way is coming back. He's going to bring it back into perfection. And that end was already having an effect in my heart, even though it had not yet happened. This is how we already take heart and have peace even though redemption's reversal is not yet complete. We know that it will be. We know that Christ will reverse all the destruction and all the death brought about by sin because that work has already begun with Him. In Easter, we see the inbreaking of an age to come. We see Christ conquering sin. And reversing the effect of death. And Easter will have its final effect, Shades. It's the good news of the gospel. Easter will have its final effect. That's why you can take heart amidst every tribulation that you encounter right now. 
Because you know that Christ's resurrection guarantees its reversal. That's why you can have peace even when you, no matter what trouble you face, what illness you face, what suffering you face, even when you face death itself, you can have peace because you know that Christ's resurrection guarantees the reversal of your own death. It guarantees your resurrection. His victory guarantees your victory. His overcoming guarantees your overcoming. His conquering in his hour makes you a conqueror in yours. Romans 8 says it best, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. I, I suffer, I'm in the midst of flipsis, of tribulation, of trouble. It's not worth comparing. I know the end. I know the reversal is coming. I know that everything that has come against me to cause me to suffer will be flipped, reversed, redeemed. That's what redemption is. It's a reversal of all things. And Easter's final effect, the completion of redemption, it's coming. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glories that is to be revealed to us. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? I want to say everybody, Paul. Everybody can be against us and come against us. But what Paul means is none of them can be against us and be victorious. Because he's won. What should we say to these things? If God is for us, the God who has conquered, who has overcome, if God is for us, who shall be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is seated at the right hand of God, and he is interceding for us. He's interceding for you. So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, thipsis, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or danger or famine or nakedness or sword, as it is written, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. But no, in all these things, in famine, in distress, in tribulation, in persecution, in the moments when we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered, in death itself, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. In this hour, shades, we are conquerors. Because in his hour, Christ conquered.